Well, good morning, everyone. Man, I love having a microphone. The power that I have, I say good morning, you just sit. Quiet. I wish I had a microphone for my son that worked that well. Well, hey, I am Evan Sheckler. I'm the discipleship minister. And for those of you who are new with us, uh, maybe this is your first Sunday, welcome. Uh, maybe this is your sixth Sunday. Um, just wanted to reach out and say, uh, we we're so glad that you're here. And if you've not yet made a connection, I want to help you do that today. Um, after the service, we have volunteers ready and waiting. Uh, they've got a gift for you at Connect Central. Now, to get there, straight out these doors, take a hard right behind the uh, coffee bar is Connect Central, and we've got volunteers uh, with answers to any of your questions. So welcome again. And you may have noticed that things might look a little different today. Uh, that is uh, intentional. So we want to make this uh, Sunday morning about our volunteers. So thank you to all the volunteers that make all the ministries that we do possible. Now, if today, or if, if life were a big game, you are the players on the field. The pastors, we're, we're cheer, cheering you on. We are your biggest fans. So I just want to start off with a passage from Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 say this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's what you're doing. So those of you who serve here at BCC, you are building the church. So thank you, because we could not do any of this without you. Now, uh, I want to, I get to start off by talking about life group leaders. And so I want to welcome to the stage uh, two life group leaders, uh, Bruce and Stacy Bloomy. So if they could join me up on stage, please. Now, I just, I just have two questions for you, because you guys have been serving uh, as life group leaders for, for quite a while. Uh, and so the first question really is, why did you start volunteering in the first place? Thanks, Evan. I think it might sound silly, but we began leading a life group because we were simply asked to lead one. <laughs> we were part of a small group, and as we look at how that helped formed us early on in our walk with Christ, we... Uh, it was a resounding yes. We wanted to lead a life group so we could continue that walk. And as I look at leading a life group and being part of them, I look at, I think, three things. It's just the growth that we've had in our study with the Bible with other believers around us. I think number two is that accountability. Who's holding us accountable for our actions, our deeds throughout the week? It's our life group. That's what we do. And then I think number three, we, um, it helps make a large church body seem smaller we get to know more people yeah definitely well we thank you for that and um stacy can you kind of expand on why you continue to lead as a life group leader sure um actually it's just become a part of our life we've been in life groups for 15 years and just growing in our knowledge of the bible and fellowshipping with other people is huge for us and secondly, we have an 11-year-old and 13-year-old. And while they're not a part of our life group, um, we hosted at our house. So they were able to see us every, week, every Sunday 
fellowshipping with other believers, um, having dinner together, and opening up the Word of God. And um, we're just hoping that for that, for our family, that will help them understand that you don't just do Christian life here on Sunday. It's a part of your life, and it's just always been a part of our life. Yeah. So. Well, thank you. Don't leave just yet, because I have a couple of things that I want to share with you. Now, you didn't know I was going to do this, um, so surprise. Uh, I actually emailed a bunch of your uh, people in your life group. And so, and if you're a life group leader, I have multiple, I mean, dozens and dozens of stories, just like what I'm about to read. Um, Bruce and Stacy are very dedicated to our group. They're organized, loving, and welcoming. They have challenged us as we work through the Bible studies to think deeply about the passages. There was a time where we were going through a family transition and it was very stressful for us. Bruce and Stacy came alongside us and helped us draw closer as a family. They've been there for us through scary health issues. We've shared our tears and our joys with them. I know they truly love us as they pour into us as if, they, if, if we were all family. And without them in our life, I would miss their prayers and godly advice. So, Bruce and Stacy, thank you for serving as life group leaders. I'd like to pray with you too, and to all the other life group leaders out there. Again, I have dozens and dozens of stories and statements from the people that you serve. So thank you for bringing a large church uh, down to a smaller level so that we can all have those family relationships. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Bruce and Stacy and all of the life group leaders that are serving you so willingly with so much love. Continue to pour into them so that they have the love and godliness to pour into their small flocks. We thank you for community. We thank you for relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you both. <laughs> So I just want to take a minute and thank all of the Connections team uh, volunteers, because uh, a lot of times door greeters, um, guides in the commons, Connect Central hosts, a lot of times these roles kind of get, I mean, we see you, but it seems kind of minor. But I want to tell you, it is, it is major. It is major. Let me show you um, what 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says. God is, I should not have jumped off the stage. Oh, man. Okay. Whew. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Connections ministry team, I'm talking to you. What you do brings glory to God by helping and serving others. So thank you. And I get the privilege of working with um, new families, uh, new people that join the church. They go to First Step. I talk to them out in the commons. And you are the reason they're coming back a second and third time because of the hospitality and the connection and the welcoming that you offered I could tell stories and stories and stories about why people are coming back and the connections team. 
you are a huge part of that. So thank you very much. I read a book a couple of years ago on building a team of children's ministry volunteers. And the book was called Not Normal. And I thought it was a book about me, but turns out that it was a book about how to create a culture of not normal in a children's ministry. And what does that mean? It means that you have a team of people who get the vision, the long-term goal of children's ministry. A lot of times in children's ministry, we don't get to see the fruit of our labor right away. The kids don't often come to us and say, you preached a sermon about not lying to your parents, and that changed my life. And I just want to let you know that. We don't hear that. And so ours is a long game. We, have, we play a long game in children's ministry. And so to be not normal in children's ministry means we have to keep our eye on that long game, on the prize, on the effort that comes years and maybe even decades later. I have a team of not normal volunteers. And it's incredible to see that the work that they do. I feel blessed to be their leader. I feel honored to do so. I want to share a story with you of where this came to light for me most recently. If you have children in our elementary wing, you've been back there for the past couple of weeks, and you see there's construction going on. We're moving rooms around. We've, it's a mess back there sometimes, and it feels kind of cramped right now. And right ahead of those changes, I got together with our first through fifth grade team to kind of walk them through what is this going to look like because it's a little chaotic and it's different than what we've had for the past several years. I was going to be asking of them big things, and I was a little bit nervous to ask such a big ask. I was going to ask all of our lead teachers to serve every single Sunday outside of their normal serving range, outside of what they do, because that's what the kids needed. But I was nervous about it, and I was kind of beating around the bush. And at one point in the conversation, I think they could pick up on my nervousness, and one of our volunteers just kind of said, hey, uh, Taryn, I just need to interrupt you for a second, because you need to know that we are dedicated to the children of this church. And that is because we are obedient to what the Lord has asked us to do. And so we are not loyal to a curriculum. We are not loyal to a certain classroom. We are not loyal to even a leader pointing at me because we are doing what God has asked us to do, and that is what matters. It brought tears to my eyes because every single leader around that table nodded their head in agreement. And I looked at them and I said, but you need to understand that's not normal. <laughs> because it's not. And they said, well, it may not be normal for everyone else, but it's normal for us. That's the team that is serving your children back there. That's the team that's playing the long game with this church and with our community. And you need to know about that because there's no way I could do this by myself. There's no way that our church could do this without that team of not normal. It reminded me of the passage in Matthew chapter 19. It's kind of a classic children's ministry text where Jesus, the, all these kids come around. He's got a big crowd around him, and all these kids come from out of nowhere. And I like to imagine the scene that these are not like they're not walking in a straight line with their hands by their side. These are children. So they're probably running, and they're probably really loud. And I like to imagine... Um, like one of them like tugging on Peter's tunic and kind of like running around him so he doesn't know who touched him, you know, because Peter very quickly speaks up. He's like, Jesus, like get these kids out of here. 
And Jesus does something not normal for their day and time. He says, let them come to me. And he takes them and he scoops them up and it says he puts them on his lap. And he blesses them and he prays over them and he tells the, the audience how to treat children. And in that day and time especially, that wasn't normal. Because children, they didn't even want to see them, really. It wasn't even like be seen but not heard. It was like, you have no business here. Jesus made kids his business. Not normal. We've got a video for you to see of another situation where a family was affected by a not normal volunteer of ours in the preschool ministry. Check this out. Well, my husband and, and I came here to, to Bettendorf Christian for the first time, and it was important for us to feel like we really connected to the church, but it was also really important to me to feel like the kids really connected, and, and it was a good spot for them. And the toughest thing for trying out churches was my son was um, very nervous in new situations, and he was very clingy to me, and um, it just made trying out churches really, really difficult. We have to drop Ethan off, so we get to the class, and... Um, same thing, very nervous, um, right when we walked in, arms and legs go instantly around me and he, um, you'd think there was snakes crawling all over the floor. I walked into the classroom and um, there was Lacey Lee and I explained the whole situation, you know, he's very nervous. She had said, you know what, I have a child who is just the same way and if it's okay with you, I'll come over and I'm just going to take him off of you and peel him off and, and she just peeled his legs off of my body and she held on to him and um, the amazing thing was he didn't fight it he didn't cry and he just kind of held on to her and she just looked at me and she said okay just go and and so we walked out and I, I remember turning back and, and looking and, and uh, not only was he not crying anymore and not looking for me he was holding on to her and for, for moms when you're struggling to kind of get past that hump of the kids being okay and, and with strangers, I'll just always remember that moment because from that day on, we've, we've been coming to Bedford Christian. And we look back at, at the four years that we've been here, they've had amazing teachers. Every class they've gone to, it's not just that they're volunteering their time, but they're volunteering themselves and the love that they show my kids and show all the kids there. It's just a really powerful thing for to be able to experience that. And I think that for a lot of parents, um, finding the, the right church balance isn't as hard for adults, um, but when you find the right balance for your kids, it's, really, um, it's a really special thing. We don't have the time to share the hundreds of thousands of stories that came out of our children's ministry just like that. That's just one example. So I want to say thank you to this church and to especially my team of Not Normal. And may we be so for decades and centuries going forward to impact not only the church right now in the present, but also in the future. Thank you. Well, when it comes to worship ministry, uh, unlike children's ministry, a lot of times the fruit of our labor is on display. You can see and you can hear the effort that has been put in, but you can't see what it took to get to that point. And if you were to go to any quality live music production, what you're seeing is a group of people that typically play the same songs with the same people night after night. I mean, any touring act 
plays maybe 20 to 30 songs over months and even sometimes years and decades at a time with the same people. When you come to church on Sunday morning, you're seeing something different. It's a group of volunteers that have day jobs, that have a wide catalog of songs, hundreds of songs. They're not professional musicians, and they do not exclusively play with the same musicians. It's different each week. They are expected to come and play at a high quality, and I believe that they do an incredible thing. To develop that kind of chemistry and play well with different people, it takes something different than just raw talent. So how does this take place? We have an incredibly passionate group of people who love Jesus and they want to serve this church. And I believe that our worship team embodies what Jesus was referring to in John chapter 4. It says this, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You know, I found an example uh, of this uh, section, an explanation of this scripture from Greek uh, textbook writer and expert Bill Mounts. And I'll paraphrase what he says uh, about this little phrase, spirit and truth. Because what he says is that God is spirit is really the controlling statement of this text. That since God is spirit, meaning he's not limited to any one place or, or time, that proper worship of him is to be done in the spiritual sphere, not limited to one place or time. It's to be done deep in our hearts, wherever we are. So what does this mean in practical terms? Well, there certainly is a connection between the external stimuli, you know, what you see, what you hear, and between our response of that true worship, but the external is not the heart of it. What you see and hear isn't what makes the worship at BCC the kind of worship that Jesus desires. The internal realm of the Spirit is what makes it true worship, because true worship is the interchange between the revelation of God and our hearts and our response to that revelation. It's bowing all that we are before all that He is. You may not see it or hear it, but I believe that's what makes it possible for us to have quality worship in our services, is that we have a team that has pointed their very hearts to Jesus. Another aspect that you don't see is the time that it takes to make it happen. Each week, we have around 15 volunteers uh, that, that work in the worship band and technology in order to make a service seen and heard. And you add that with the communion servers and ushers and the people that even prepare that communion during the week, you've got at least another 15. And you may not realize the commitment that it takes to accomplish a quality worship service, because when you add up all the worship and tech volunteers between them practicing individually and as a group, our rehearsals, our sound checks, and multiple services, each Sunday morning takes roughly 95 hours of volunteer time to accomplish. That's one Sunday morning. This doesn't include the years of learning or honing their instruments on a personal level. And I can attest to the fact that these people do it in a way to serve the church body and to serve Christ in spirit and truth. So let's give it up for them.
So at BCC, we regularly highlight mission partners outside the church who are serving around the world, and that's a core part of our DNA, but today we are focusing on those who serve inside the church. As executive minister, I oversee areas of operations and facilities, and with a building as large as BCC and getting bigger, and a variety of ministries, it takes a lot of work behind the scenes to make things run smoothly. Most of the time, you might not even go, know what's going on, and that's a good thing, and that shows kind of the dedication and the quality of work that our volunteers do. So when it comes to volunteering inside of a church facility, we don't have to look too far to find a good example. In the Bible, the book of Exodus gives us a good picture of perhaps the very first church facility. So the Israelites, when they were led out of Egypt uh, by Moses, they're in the desert and God commands them to build a tabernacle or a house of worship. And it wasn't simply a matter of asking a couple guys, hey, can we get a couple of guys to help build this or maybe hiring the local contractor to take care of everything for them. God goes the extra step to specifically equip certain people with gifts and passions that will be used to build and serve the church. In chapter 36, verse 1, uh, we see th these words. So Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord commanded. Did you catch that little subtle phrase in there? God has given everybody the skill and ability to carry out his work. And so he is the one that is equipping us. And it wasn't just to build the tabernacle, it was to furnish it as well. So he gave people specific gifts on how to make things to bring in. And they were bringing in so many things that they made to furnish the tabernacle that Moses had to say, enough. We have too much. Stop doing this. And what a beautiful picture that is of people coming together to use those gifts that God has equipped them with to serve together uh, in his house. And I'm so glad that God has gifted people here at BCC with different skills and ability that they use to serve him in his house. Around the building, we have a great group of volunteers that help out as needed doing minor maintenance projects and handyman projects because stuff breaks. Throughout the building expansion, you may have noticed we have a large addition coming up. Uh, we've had uh, several volunteers that have been able to use their professional engineering and construction experience to help us kind of navigate this long and complicated process. And they have been such a tremendous benefit to me as we continue to walk forward in this expansion project. In the summertime, we have a great group of guys who come together uh, each week to mow the lawn, to do weed treatment, to maintain the flower beds. And they're usually out there every Thursday morning. And so they are keeping the, the lawn and the landscaping in good shape. So if you happen to come by the church on a Thursday morning and they're out there, just stop them and say, hey, thanks for doing such a good job. And in the wintertime, when it snows, we, we hire somebody to uh, remove snow in the parking lot, but it takes a dedicated volunteer to help out with shoveling the sidewalks and putting down ice melts so people are safe when they come in. When it comes to operations, this is kind of the backbone of ministry area. Church wouldn't be able to function without these different areas of operations. On Sunday morning, we have a great team of check-in volunteers who works to check in kids, and when we have visitors with kids, they have to get them checked in as well, and we wanna make sure that your kids are safe and secure back in that, those children's classrooms. Our safety team helps to work 
uh, to provide a high level of safety and security in our children's area. And they are also doing a great job to help us be able to worship in a safe and secure environment. And they are ready to respond as needed in case of an emergency. We have a volunteer financial secretary that works tirelessly to ensure all, that all the financial gifts that are made to BCC are recorded and managed in a professional and confidential manner. And to assist her, we have a team of volunteers that helps to count the weekly giving, which is a critical first step in being able to carry out any and all ministry here at the church. Lastly, we have an IT team that helps to ensure that our network, our computers, our Wi-Fi are up and running, and they are quick to respond if something goes down. So all in all, we see this great group of volunteers serving behind the scenes in ways that we don't see every week to using their gifts and passions to serve God in his house. And as I look out over this landscape at BCC, what an incredibly beautiful picture it is of these volunteers being in the hands and feet of Jesus to carry his message into the world. Thank you so much, volunteers. I hope by now you're starting to get a picture of how much we love our volunteers here at BCC. Um, I know in our student ministry, we absolutely could not do the ministry that we do um, without our incredible volunteers. Like I said earlier, each and every week we have over 26 people who are involved, whether that's teaching a midweek Bible study or preparing uh, um, lessons to help me out in Sunday school or leading a Sunday night uh, small group, as well as preparing and serving almost 100 students and leaders meals each and every Sunday night. It's just an incredible thing. And there's, there's a reason that I love our volunteers. There's a reason that we need these volunteers. Um, I know I've shared these statistics before, but I really believe they start to show why it's so important to have these amazing, incredible adult volunteer leaders, but also why it's important to make sure that our students are attending our student ministry. Over about the last 20 years or so, there's been a lot of research that have been done. There's a lot of books that have been published, uh, studies that, that are showing that our teenagers, um, as they're graduating high school, as they're entering college, many of them are, are leaving the church. Many of them, in fact, are, are leaving their faith behind altogether. And so uh, they wanted to find out why, why was this happening. And so as they started to look into it, there's, again, over 20 years, there's been so much research and so many different opinions and so much different things. This shows why, this shows why, this shows why. It's kind of tough to pinpoint the exact reason that sometimes students are leaving. But what this research is showing is that there's really one major factor of why students are staying involved. And what these studies are starting to show is that these students have at least three to five other adults other than their parents who are investing into their lives spiritually. And I think that's so incredible. And what I love here, you know, I ask our leaders a huge commitment I ask them to give up two to three hours um, a week, uh, pretty much through the entire school year. And they do this not only to show up on Sunday nights, but they also um, try to go out and see our students' extracurricular activities. Maybe they go out for a cup of coffee or a bite to eat. Maybe they plan opportunities for them to serve or just have fun together. And, and I believe with all my heart that the work that our leaders are putting in is paying huge dividends um, with our students and their growth spiritually. Um, check this video out. 
Oh my goodness. So one of my leaders is literally like the best person ever. So easy to talk to and they will sit and listen to all my me rant or talk about my problems and they're just so caring. Every time I come into church, they, they just care about everyone there. They've all got stuff to tell us about their life experiences and how to help ours. Like they want to know what's going on in our lives and like how we're doing. My small group leaders have really affected my life. Definitely gone out of their way, make time to pray for me and care about me. I just know that they've helped me grow in my faith. Specifically for us, we've seen huge growth in our child and we also know that uh, she can go to them whenever she needs them. She trusts them, believes in them, and we know that they're going to point her to Jesus, and that's the most important thing to us. They always lift me up in the Word of God, and they always pray for me, and anything that I need, they're always there for me. The most important thing to me about my small group leaders is that they're just always there. They're just always there to see how you're doing and make your day better and listen to you, find out what's happening, and they just really care about you. Well, one of the things that and I have always heard is that as Christian parents, you want to have five people in your kid's life that'll pour into them with the love of Christ. Both of our daughter's small group leaders are wonderful role models of being a, a rock-solid Christian woman. Seeing how their faith affects them in every aspect of their life has really inspired me to go farther in my walk with Christ and just get closer to Him because of, I see how He affects their lives. Just, like she is a light in my life and she's Literally always asking me how I'm life. doing. Like if I'm having a hard time, she knows immediately. Like she can read my mind and she, she goes out to coffee with me and it's just like a friend that I need and she has great advice when I need it. And I just love her and I love all of the leaders. Great. Preach. So yeah, like I said, we couldn't do it without our student leaders, and, and, and I just love them all so dearly. Um, another thing that I just kind of want to cover very quickly is just our family ministry and all the different ministries that kind of fall under that umbrella. And uh, Tim's already kind of shared a lot of the numbers of, of the volunteers that are working, and again, I hope it this isn't about numbers. Uh, what this is about are the opportunities that these volunteers allow for us each and every week um, because of the time, the energy, the effort they put into it. Uh, we've got, you know, our MOPS ministry, our mother of preschoolers, and they have, you know, meetings a couple times a month. They have Bible studies. They have activities and times of fellowship where they get together. Our men's ministry who plan such thing as our men's retreat and father and son campouts. The women's ministry who put together the Aspire Conference and craft nights and other nights to get together. Our Young at Heart, for our 55 and older, they have incredible monthly events as well as plan fun trips and outings to places like the Ark Experience or the Ark Encounter and uh, also trip to Branson, Missouri. Then, of course, we try to plan fun and exciting family ministry events uh, like tonight, our big game party that starts at 4 o'clock. Yeah, and uh, we'd love to have you guys come out for that. Obviously, our Easter extravaganza and our fall festival and uh, just ways to just have fellowship with one another. And I think one of the most exciting things um, for me in Scripture is just the book of Acts when we read about the early church and just how powerful the Holy Spirit moved through it and what God was doing in his church and in his people. And uh, again, in the second chapter, I just, I basically love the, the entire book, but the second chapter, especially starting in verse 42, 
um, when it talks about this early church, and it talks about how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, how they also broke bread together and, and they prayed, and it goes on to list other things they did and how they invested and how they took care of one each other, each, each one's needs. And then it gets to verse 47, and it said that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so I just want to thank these volunteers who afford us these opportunities for fellowship. Because these people, they were doing life together in the early church. And 2,000 years later, that's our hope. And that's our dream for Bettendorf Christian Church. So if you would, let's, let's just thank those leaders who help in all these ministries. So what a day it's been to that recognizing of Team V, those that volunteer in service at BCC. So now, the whole schmeal. Okay, everybody, let's thank the Lord for everyone who volunteers. So like uh, Barry said, though you've heard numbers and these stories, they were really to point to a message that's in all of this that is a very important Christ-like quality and activity called service. You may have thought, come to the tunnel day, what's going on with this? By now, hopefully you get a sense of what it would be for you to be on Team V, victory to win, to overcome in this world. It takes faith. So those of God, those who are born of God, they have faith, and faith has to be active and often express itself in service. So we're just unabashedly going to say it's the greatest thing of all. I hope you don't doubt that. Because it's not our words. That comes right from Jesus himself. Let's put it up. Mark chapter 10, he makes clear about whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Um, the two teams today, top NFL, they're going to go head to head, the showdown in the Super Bowl, and going to battle it out to see who would be first, greatest of all. And I do predict that the team with the color red is going to win. But <laughs> now, this is real life. Who ends up first? And he says, the servant. So all these servers, they're just acting like Jesus himself because he's the this is what he did. It's how he involved his whole life. He goes about doing those thankless, humbling tasks, dirty tasks. He helps people. He feeds people. He prays for people. He teaches people. He carries people. He cleans up after people. It's just like the many multitude of ways that Jesus loves people. And this is how we get our cue of when we think about when you see service and you see that Christ-like quality it's the Jesus thing going on through, through some people that you know. I think, it great, think so highly of some people that do some things that may not always be active, it doesn't seem, but it's in meetings. They have to discuss and decide things that have to do with the very mission that Jesus gave us, how we're going to accomplish that locally and globally. The seven people who serve in the mission leadership team, the five elders who oversee all matters of the church. And just to think how they go about this, I can't think of how many hours are spent in all of that kind of service, and some have done so for decades, they're like Jesus. They're motivated from Jesus. 
because now the attention turns to what Jesus himself, as he looked to what he was going to do, his ultimate service, the greatest work of all, he goes on, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's exactly what he did. He gave his life, he laid it down fully, brutally, that we might be saved. So now we are going to celebrate a supper. And the ushers, go ahead and make your way to prepare the trays. You know, many have served and sacrificed, but none have sacrificed as the Son of God, the Son of Man did. He gave his all. You know, today provided you with a, maybe an opportunity to reflect on how you serve, what kind of servant you are. But none of us compare to our Lord. If you've uh, grown weary and, you know, these very people that you serve in your life, because I don't know, if you came in today looking for some direction for your marriage, your family, your work, your country, hope you get the message. Serve them. Serve them as Jesus would. And maybe you have been doing so, and you've become tired of serving that person, that spouse, that child, that parent, that group, that class. Have you served to the point that Jesus served? Because he gave his entire life, his all. As much as we would sacrifice, none of us come close to what he did. You know, John 3.16 is Jesus. Did you know that this one had that numeral in front? First John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for the family. Does that describe the degree to which you've done? Because when we hold and take that bread and that juice, it represents all. A complete body broken. Complete blood shed. He held nothing back. Does that describe your service? So now as we come and we're talking to him and remembering him. You know what that means for you and me. Oh. Let's pray. Lord, we do worship you. And it is amazing in our eyes, Lord, what you gave. How you did lay it down. And you served to the point of death. None of us have done so. And Lord, we know that driven by love and what it is that you have captured in our hearts, you got it. And we know, Lord, what that means for us as we follow you. And Lord, you are worthy. May you receive glory in all our service. May it be that we could just go to the same extent to give our all for you. 
Lord, help us draw near to you as you have drawn near to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray.